0: This boy and girl are going to be well-equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Okay, Ryan Daniel Moran. I love my middle name, and I love that my my first name is Ryan's middle name, and that there's so much synchronicity between the both of us. Very similar to the previous episode with John, brothers from another mother's, Aiming for the similar peaks, maybe going up different paths. And when we're meeting at the peak, we're like, whoa, look at all those other peaks. Let's go. Let's go. Ryan, thank you for let's go. And evolving, shedding the skin of who you're not so you can maybe remember who you really are. And maybe that's up to you. It seems like you're willing to consider that and take the action necessary to figure it out. I would describe this podcast uh, experience as hearing the hero's journey of someone going from like a conservative Christian well, getting ready to enroll and evangelizing something he's not truly aligned with, to all of a sudden becoming like an authoritative atheist aiming for the truth, to now a conscious capitalist that's seemingly very intrigued and not sure of the truth. And that might be more truthful than pretending to know it. And him talking out loud about that, and someone that sounds like we didn't even talk too much about money, but. If you're interested in hearing someone that has successfully win won and is continuously winning the game of money, um, tune in, tune in, um, and tune in to not only hear about his his ideas around that, but to to just see what his emotional essence is like. I'm, I, I love I so appreciate how direct and curious he is, and how well he understands boundaries but how he also understands the boundlessness of love so here we go let's break some normal are you breaking normal welcome Ryan daniel moran so we share the same name your middle name being my first And you share the same birthday as my sister, we just found out. So let's see what other synchronicities unfold during this exploration. It's like we're twins. (laughs) And I just, I actually, I listened to part of y'all's podcast when I was buying my next animal shirt. Each part of this podcast, I'm wearing a different animal on my shirt. That's part of the scavenger hunt that I was telling you about. So I got to listen to you and JP drop in there. And then right before you got here on my walk this morning, um, What a great podcast. I definitely recommend y'all checking Ryan's interview out on JP's podcast. And there was several things that interested me. Uh, One, that you were, at one point in your life, felt like you were destined to be a preacher. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: a pastor. A
0: pastor. And now you've left religion? I have, Okay, that's one thing I definitely want to tease the audience for that (laughs) we'll address. But I am actually curious. Do you know how we first got on each other's radar?
1: I do. There was a couple different ways. It was, um, well, JP and I I connected, obviously, because I do an event called the Capitalism Conference, and he and I are co-hosting that this year, which is really fun, and I've been doing that. This is our fourth year doing that, and so JP and I have become really good friends, and he introduced us in some capacity, but I was familiar with your work years ago. I've never told you this story when i when i uh was i was dating a girl who was trying to convince me to go raw vegan and so she introduced me to your work I, but i think I, what was funny is i think you had just you had just done your deconversion and you did your video about eating meat and waking up with a heart on and uh and, and so i just sent her that video <laughs> so so i was familiar with your work from from years and years ago actually
0: that's awesome. That, and there's another <laughs> synchronicity right there. So your fourth year of your capitalism conference is about to embark when? When's the date of that?
1: Uh, January 21st to the
0: 23rd. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty – so Tribe Design's fourth year is going to begin um, January 3rd. Mm-hmm. And JP's first comedy show, I believe, was at a Tribe Design about four years That's ago. That's right. So
1: you reached out to me after one of the Tribe Designs and said – because I had a, a kind of a mastermind group called The Tribe at the time. And I was doing more like intentional communal stuff. And someone suggested that we connect. And you reached out to me.
0: Now, And, yeah, that's, and that's
1: that's how we personally kind of was like, oh, I recognize this guy.
0: Yeah. And when I had yeah, someone at a conference definitely suggested like, oh, my gosh, like, do you know Ryan Moran from Austin and his tribe? It sounds and like no. Nope. But then I messaged you and then you responded somewhere down the line of, well, maybe I'll see if I can magically manifest you here in Austin, Texas. And so here we are. Boom. So that was a little pass are. to the I'm present. I'm a
1: powerful manifester. Yes, Powerful.
0: Are. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I could, we have so much to talk about, but let's just go ahead and prioritize what's probably the – you mentioned um, me getting a heart on the first time <laughs> I started eating meat in a while. Let's see if we can get our hearts on <laughs> and um, <laughs> talk about that, what I mentioned in the beginning, which is – when like tell tell me real quickly, and I think you mentioned in JP's podcast you have a documentary coming out about this.
1: So uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I attempted to make a documentary about my my leaving religion. I've really struggled with it because I my, my I am I am evolving faster than we can document, and it's one of those things where as soon as we as soon as we try and document it, my brain kicks in rather than following what i really feel and and my brain kicks in of like, how do we make it a great story how do we make it a great documentary and really the only way i could do that is if i had somebody following me around with a camera all the time and then they pieced it together and that's that's just not happening so the 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 documentary that i produced to me feels really forced and i'm not really sure what to do about that but i can craft this i can tell i mean that this the story um if to me i think is lifelong like that this is a lifelong pursuit you don't you don't even when i was in the church i kind of had the realization of there is no figuring it out you are you are evolving your entire life your belief system the minute that you think you have it figured out is when you stop growing. You're either going deeper or rediscovering something or you think you have it all figured out. And I have always lived by one of my favorite quotes is, uh, is to listen to the man who pursues truth and flee from he who claims to have found it. And, if you are pursuing truth, I think you have the chance of getting closer. But if you claim to have found it, that you've just turned off your your pursuit at that point. And I originally set out with the documentary of finding truth. And I've I've I'm now of the opinion that it is just a there there is more of a development. And I wanted to produce this like, here is what I have found, and now that just feels inauthentic as I've As I've gone deeper, I suppose.
0: Yeah, well, I can relate to what you're saying on so many levels. Um, I do believe, like success and truth and whatever. First of all, I think it's unnameable, which what we're really we're wanting. Well, I think people are wanting to point to with the symbols of words. um, Is that's what it is? Like the menu rather than the meal, and. I think that there's probably as many human beings there are on earth, that's how many definitions of God there are. And at the same time, I was raised in a very Christian background and believe like the Holy Spirit of Yahweh or Yeshua or Jesus is something that I can embody and accept. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, it sounds like you were coming from a conservative Christian mm-hmm. aim mm-hmm. to now not associating mm-hmm. the religion. Uh, was there a breaking point? Was there like a oh, or was there an aha moment? <laughs> uh, like, yeah, oh.
1: I can remember the moment I deconverted. Okay. <laughs> so I had a lot of doubts, if you will, for that. That I went, I went to a, I, I went to school thinking I was going to be a pastor, and I went to Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana and i had a lot of doubts while i was there and i kind of went there almost to straighten out my thoughts and straighten out my my beliefs if to to figure it out to have a defense for why i believed what i believed and left it kind of graduated dissatisfied with the answers that i got but i but i still considered myself a christian and was going deeper and and diving into more thorough answers to the questions that i sought and i remember sitting on my futon in lakewood ohio right after i had moved back from uh from from college and i was i think i was just going through a breakup with a girl who um you know wanted to be with a i was questioning a lot she was a super devout christian and that was Difficult for her, right? Understandably so. And I remember going through a hard time because of the breakup, and so really diving into my faith. And I was reading through—I think I was reading through one of the genealogies in in the Book of Luke. And I'm reading, you know, through it's basically Jesus's genealogy of he's a son of, son of this, son of this, son of on and on and on, and back to Adam it went. And. All the way back to Adam, I looked at I looked at my Bible, I looked up and I was like, Adam wasn't a real person. I don't believe any of this. Now I know that's an extreme kind of conclusion based on that, but the context of me was diving into so many different holes that I was finding. And the only thing that was keeping me in was the person of Jesus. Was the was the person and the possible resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. That was the thing that was keeping me in. And that was kind of the connecting point that still made me feel compelled toward Christianity. And in reading the the gospel that tracked his lineage back to somebody that I was like, I am very confident that person did not exist. I, I, I then said, I no longer can use this as a reliable source of truth. And that was a moment where I was like, "I think I, I think I'm a non-Christian."
0: Wow! And how long ago was that? It was
1: 2000. It must have been 2012 because shortly after that, I threw everything into my car and drove to Austin, Texas, and never left.
0: Yeah. And what was your state like? Were you Were you drinking a lot of coffee? Were you on psychedelics? <laughs> were you like had no? That's overworked. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: <laughs> that's that's me now. My state was was just complete devastation i i I mean i i could not expect there's I'm, i'm almost i didn't even think to say this because i've said it so many times but the perception that my peers had at the time was that i just wanted to thumb my nose at god and drink and hook up and and the reality is like I had no. I had every desire to discover that Christianity was true. I had that was that was what I was hoping to discover. That the discovery that I was wrong for twenty four years of my life, that the meaning that I had, that I had in my faith, the hope of what would happen when I die, to unravel all of that was incredibly painful incredibly painful. And I had to rediscover everything about who I believed I was and why I was here and what I stood for and what was important. And those are really hard questions to ask. And I, I was absolutely distraught, depressed, suicidal. It was not a pleasurable experience to deconvert from Christianity. It was a completely new rediscovery of myself. And and I'd say that that journey continues today.
0: Well, thank you so much for um, being so clearly communicative. communicative? about a topic that some people might not feel as comfortable talking about privately with themselves, much less to publicly and with other people. Thanks. This is my jam. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think, I think we are at a point in
1: our development as a species where religion has really served us to this point or to previous points. And, and now we are rediscovering where we get where we get the pieces of religion that did serve us in ways that are closer to truth. And I think every generation or a couple of generations, we shed something about our development that no longer serves us. And right now I think that's religion. I think religions are are we're, we're kind of shedding that layer as we look to be. Be freed up to pursue the next, the next piece of truth that we can get closer to. I mean, I mean, the, I mean it's kind of like the, the whole idea of breaking normal, right? I mean, in order to be free to pursue something greater, we have to be free of, we have to break up what is standard or traditional, and that's hard, and it's threatening to a lot of people. And we don't always know what's on the other side of it, but we sh- first have to shed the skin in order to find whatever is next. And we're constantly doing that. We're doing it as individuals, and we're doing that as a society, and we're doing that as a species as well.
0: Yeah, you're, there's so many things uh, popping into my mind as you're speaking about these. I'll, I'll rattle off some of them. I was First of all, i never thought about Adam relating to an Adam until you said that Adam is not a real person. Um, like to an actual atom, to like the actual matter to its most basic level, and the eve of an atom, and how maybe the Big Bang is like a breaking of normal, and that these are some thoughts are coming in. Um. Also, I was thinking about Lee Strobel, who is I'm imagining you're familiar with them, Mm -hmm. the author of the Case for Faith and the Case for Christ, and I think they've made a movie or two out of it. Because from my understanding, I remember reading his books. He was coming almost from the exact, it was like the flip-flop of your scenario, yeah, someone right. that was like going to the Bible right. to prove it wrong, because he was done with all this propaganda and then became like a devout yeah. evangelical yeah. Christian in a way. And yeah, those are some thoughts right now. I'm, wonder, I'm wondering what of those relates the most to you, or what do you feel to add on to those? Yeah, I mean, I can't comment on Adam, Adam,
1: I don't know. It's beyond my level of expertise. Me too. I, <laughs> um, I have heard. Lee, I find Lee a great speaker. I think the movies they made out of his books were horrible, but I but I enjoy hearing Lee speak. I in, and and I would still say his perspective on basically making a legal case for is Jesus the Messiah or not is still kind of compelling. I I think there's. I think there's other cases that could be made at the same time. If you're looking at, um, if you're looking at his solo kind of looking at it as a legal case, I think there's some com. I, I'm compelled to his argument, it's, and I can still poke holes in his argument as well. So I'm not uh, at the point where I'm ready to convert back, but I enjoy hearing his overall thesis. I I really enjoy hearing Lee speak.
0: And, and what do you think that is? Because I, I imagine like you and Lee, both found so much f- liberation and freedom from breaking your normals, um, from going from yeah. a devout Christian to denouncing that for now, and then vice versa for him. Do you? What do you all? What do you think about your journey versus his journey? Is one closer <laughs> to the truth? Like even oh, if you're yeah, just gonna be judgmental, and I build- do have a thought on
1: this. I think the. Uh, <laughs> um dan as i get older i think i get more and more lost and 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 the reason for that is my normal was here's how it is here are the answers this is how life is congratulations you have the truth and i think lee came from the other direction and so for him there's probably a lot of freedom and liberation in reaching conclusions that he believes are true. My journey has been more about unlearning. It's been more about breaking what I would consider chains. It would be more and more freedom, more and more liberation. And there's that's not a comfortable place to... Like, I think freedom by itself is kind of empty. Like we want to be free from all the junk that holds us back, but free to do what? If there's not a compelling replacement for it, you just kind of get lost. And I'm so motivated by freedom that as soon as I have like a container, I want to break the container and pursue the next, the next piece. And that is never as fun as people think it is. Because you you go deeper into discovering who you are, you get deeper into the questions about what drives you, and that takes a new level of self awareness to to uncover. And for me, that's always been really uncomfortable. So it, when it, in the in the case of in the case of faith specifically, I think uh, I I feel more peace and like like i'm closer to the truth and it and more free to pursue getting even closer to the truth but as a person i i probably feel more more lost (laughs) as i as i go deeper into the work
0: yeah i think about something that had a chain out in vast space if they cut the chain all of a sudden they might, it might feel disorienting. It might, mm-hmm. you might yeah, not, it yeah. might feel like it, which way's up, which way's down. Yeah. Where am I going? Where am I at? where did I come from? So I, uh, I can also relate to the disorienting freedom. Hmm. Um, it's a great phrase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big difference. Also, have you ever skydived or bungee jumped? Yeah. Did you do both? D- just skydive, skydive. So, I've only I've done one uh, each one once, and the major difference to me was the bungee jumping. I was going from zero miles per hour to like sixty straight down to the ground, towards the ground, and the sky uh, skydiving. I was we were already moving, and it was I wasn't sure which way if I was going upward now. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. Yeah, and those are both very different experiences. So in this uh, free fall, <laughs> uh, or this whatever disorienting freedom. Um I think the reason I may have brought up the Adam the Eve of Adam with the Big Bang um and you brought up the reconstructing normal do you have another what's your new orientation around spirituality or religion or god or where you're I mean, currently could, at Um I don't
1: have uh anything that I feel drawn to in just terms of a a belief system I could tell you my bias towards certain questions or my certain my my certain ideas, but there's no kind of one philosophy that I really feel compelled to. But at the same time, in, in the West, I think we are more prone to having belief structures and systems. We we think more linearly and more if then. And so we we tend more to buy into complete what what Rob Bell would call the the brick wall philosophy. It's like they built, it stacks on top of one another. And I think we're especially guilty of that in the West. And I I'm more like Rob Bell's idea of, I think it's a terrible analogy what he picks, but he, he calls it the trampoline, which is you have, you can take out individual springs and 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 play with it and like, see if it still fits. And the whole thing still operates. You can still jump on the trampoline. The rest of the trampoline is not affected by you playing with one spring. And then you put it back in and the whole thing works about the same, but then you can go into the next spring and kind of play with it and test it and tweak it. And I, I, I am constantly tweaking my trampoline. And I think my trampoline looks a little bit differently than other people's. But I think... I think that's more of kind of a an Eastern idea, or in the West we we're, were more well. There's this, and that means this, and that means this, and then if you play with any of those bricks and you pull it out and you try and test it, the whole wall comes crumbling down. And I I am very resistant to belief structures and systems for that for for that idea. I mean, even I'll even say this, I I. I am so resistant to the idea of structured brick wall belief systems that I, I, I even feel that way about capitalism. Now, my business, my my following on the internet is because I own capitalism.com. Like that is that is my that's my business, my belief, my livelihood. And I will even to my own kind of detriment in the marketplace. Be willing to say, "Hmm, I never thought of that piece of capitalism. Do we need to play with that in order to make the whole system truer?" And uh, that's probably a conversation for another day. But I think b- the minute that you try to structuralize a belief system, it you almost religiousize it, and now you have lost, you've lost the depth, and you've lost the power in how that belief system can shape us in society.
0: Yeah, I all right, so we're on we're, we're resonating cuz I was going to actually that was my next question was how does capitalism.com and when you started that correlate with maybe your religious beliefs shifting because that's another I think a major hang up for a lot of people that are bible believers especially mm-hmm. in the literal sense of it. Um, have a challenging time with the idea of acquiring large amounts of wealth or money Um, and I think it's a lot revolved around the verse in the bible about the root of all evil is the lust or love for money something along those lines depending on the interpretation Um, yeah how does that fit into this picture for you and and what is what does capitalism.com mean to you and mean for you I'm trying to decide which one I want to take first. Yeah, so. I, know. I, threw, I threw a lot out there. I, I sometimes paint without a brush, I just splatter. All right, so I mean t-
1: to to be super basic with it, capitalism.com is is two things. It is it's a it's a place to empower high achievers to create change in the world. And second, it's the the it's it's my journey within that. Container. We are we are all trying to progress and make an impact in the way that we best know how, and that's entrepreneurship and that's capitalism. It, that's the container that allows us to do that. It's it's the freedom for us to pursue growth. And as the founder of capitalism.com, it's also my journey, and I think it's very poetic to kind of document the journey of a capitalist building capitalism.com so there it's an idea but it's also the journey to do exactly that now your other question was how does how does money and capitalism play into the idea of of religion or faith because there's they're often seen as opposing forces
0: yeah and thinking about someone that might be listening to you how you may have when when you were first introduced to me as like a raw veganism as a way to go like someone (laughs) else was trying to push like check this guy out like what if i was pushing someone uh, say a very conservative christian that believes they're not supposed to have any money ever i was like check out ryan moran like how how does this journey fit from where you used to be into where you are now, religiously, and the tie in with the money? And for that person, it might be like, I can't listen to Ryan because he doesn't believe in God and he <laughs> believes a, in money.
1: He's a greedy, hungry one percenter. Yes, I am a one percenter. Yes, and I will double down on that. And and the reason for that is there there is um so I had my my moment where I real or I I. I threw the baby out with the bathwater, if you will, because I believed Adam was not a real person. Right? There was, we call that an axiom, like a fundamental belief. It's that first brick that everything else is built on. It's that is that foundational principle. Well, I think the axiom that determines whether or not you see money as good or bad is if you believe in scarcity or you believe in abundance. It's that foundational belief by me having a dollar, it means Dan doesn't. And I think that's incorrect because money is just a representation of value. And value is infinite. But we trade value all the time. We're trading time and other things to be here right now, to listen to this right now. Value is subjective. It's an idea. And what we've been able to see is that if we compare ourselves Versus history, our total value is increasing all the time. We live longer lifespans. We have more access to goods and services. We have way more upward mobility than ever before. No comparison. It's not even a question. The fact that we can have this conversation right now, that we can listen to this right now anywhere in the world via cellular towers this we, we now have increasing value all the time and that is that is only continuing to go up since money is simply a physical or now a digital representation of that i think that is evidence that there is only abundance not scarcity and so we take this attachment to the dollars we we like we get ex, we get excited or fearful about the representation of value rather than seeing what is behind it. Just like in religion, we get so obsessed with the individual beliefs that we miss the truth or the beauty behind it and how that affects us. And that's that's the meat that we are trying that we're really as humans hungry for. But we get so caught up in the the front of that, the front being well, this is this is how you get there. This is what you do about it. And, and as entrepreneurs or capitalists, we get so obsessed with the dollar amount rather than what the dollar does on the other side of it. That is why the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Because if you are in love with the representation of value, you miss the value in the first place you it becomes a it becomes a game of how do i accumulate as much as possible rather than what that gives me on the other side of that it's why i think the best way to get rich is to just pursue the value if you pursue the creation of value it's that idea of seek ye first the kingdom and everything else will be added unto you if you if you go for the meat you get all of the other stuff too.
0: Yeah, this is exactly, what I, there's another like um, expansion of what I meant by the menu versus the meal, which mm-hmm. could also be described as like you mentioned, the East versus the West. It could be like the masculine and the feminine. Um, it could be this similar thing when I'm teaching my daughter how to say the word tree, how there's a part of me that realizes that's a lie. Like Yeah, yeah, right, sure, sure. I we call that a tree, but really what's the difference between the roots and the branches and the dirt right. that surrounds it and the great points that are inside of it? Great point. It's how you communicate that idea. Yeah. It's a great point. And then on that um your so the creating of creation of value, what's like your passion right now? Or do you do you have a current passion of how you believe you're creating value? A me personally yeah is there like a certain passion project like i was telling you beforehand I'm, I'm getting fired up about this podcast i'm this is a valuable creation for me and i'm honored to be doing it with you the breaking normals news flashes um what's on your radar right now that you feel like you're it's kind of like you're being a tool to create this value for
1: i mean if i'm if i am being super honest with you right now if we were just hanging out and there weren't. There were I wasn't being recorded. I would probably tell you that I am. I am now rediscovering that again, and I think the journey of capitalism and that idea of kind of shedding the old ways to pursue something new, for for a lot of people, has about a four to five year cycle. Like every four to five years, I, for myself and for other people I've spoken with about this there's a like you kind of complete that cycle and you're on to the next stage of development and discovery and for me that that, that's right now i'm at the i'm i feel like i'm at the early stages i'm at the rediscovery process of the next cycle and i can tell you previously the 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 pursuit of um, of dollars was very interesting to me and i have found that at the end to be kind of an empty pursuit and that when you pursue dollars, somehow dollars flee from you. But when you pursue value, they, it just shows up in abundance. And so, so what I'm excited about right now is I just I enjoy the spread of ideas that I think lead us one step closer to where we're ultimately trying to go. And that's like conversations like this. And so, right now, my time is spent doubling down on the building of my audience and spreading ideas. And I'm confident that a byproduct of that will be the next thing that I'm really passionate and excited about. And I don't enjoy the rediscovery process one bit. I much more enjoy knowing exactly where I'm going and tearing it open and driving full force. I much more enjoy that. But it is kind of the, the winter, the dying off of the old self, the, the dying off of the old ideas and the habits that served us that is necessary in order to have that fertile ground for new seeds to start to plant. And I hate admitting that out loud. I hate that because I so want to be driving things forward. But the truth is, um, since you asked me what I'm excited about, I'm planting new seeds right now. Like I'm, I'm letting old things die off and it's, I don't like it at all. And I am planting new seeds, and uh, I am preparing myself for the next, the next summer, where I'll work like heck in order to get to the next part, where I go through an existential crisis again, if you will. So I'm, I am, I'm all. I mean, my projects are like I'm all in on capitalism. I, 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 be, I mean, spreading the idea that that freedom and entrepreneurship and personal responsibility are the best way that you create the change that you want to see in this world. I think you create it and that we all have the ability to do that. And I'm documenting my journey on doing that as an entrepreneur, building out capitalism.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for doing it. It's inspiring. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it sounds like you once again to bring up i know these are trigger words for a lot of people like the masculine and feminine it sounds like you're in a very feminine space <sighs> my whole body went
1: yeah when you said that could, and and it's just me being real with you and i that i am very aware that i am out of balance with the uh the like the feminine part of of life i am very aware that i'm out of balance there and i even have resistance to allowing that in which is probably some childhood stuff
0: but yeah my, my whole body had a response to to that when you said it and yeah you're you're so i i i i judge almost when you say you, you hate talking about this i almost judge you to love saying that you hate <laughs> talking about it and i've also heard that like yeah there might be like oh but i also hear like a Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah yeah right yeah and I'm wondering yeah. does your what is what do you think your daughter might have to play with this uh influencing you coming into this new season into your life? I've never thought about
1: that before um i have no i don't i to be quite to be perfectly frank, i try to release my daughter of any responsibility of my life like i could tell you how my how my daughter has affected me, but I try very hard not to put any expectations on she, she has no responsibility of, of affecting my life in any way it's her life and I'm her guide. And in the same way, she's a guide for me, but I don't put the responsibility of her to have any sort of impact on, uh, on my development. That's, that's my job.
0: Man. Yeah. That's a major, I would say what you described right there about with your daughter is a major thing that we, have I've, reminded myself of in front of so many people and other people at our events that, I'm curious, I'll just ask you, Like, do you think I can make you feel a certain way? No. Now, I think physically, and or if I got you to ingest something without you knowing it, that is very, it can happen. But most of the time, I think a lot of people come into conversations or interactions or social dynamics and they are under the impression that these people around them are making them feel a certain way, right, whether right. It's sad, happy, scared, nervous, angst, offended, offended, <laughs> all those things and more. And I'm wondering, when did have you always thought that? and no no. One, uh, no, did you have a wake up to that at one point in your life no. too? When did you figure out that you're responsible for your feelings? <laughs> and how I'm like, come on, that's a that's a big thing for a well, lot of people. I
1: mean, it's just it's just a desire for control. It's a desire for for freedom, I I I desire to be autonomous over my own life, and and so I don't give other people the ability, like the 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 power to make me feel a certain way. And as you as you explore that idea, you realize that that's 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 universal. Now, of course, there are tendencies. It's it's like if I wanted to try to make someone feel afraid. There are ways I could probably it, it would it would make sense to trigger that response, but still at the end of the day, I have no control over how that person responds, fearfully or otherwise. Um, so the same thing that scares one person could make another person laugh. So I I could have intent, but that doesn't change how somebody else feels. That is all subjective.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a a huge level of maturity towards more freedom um, is understanding that you are the one that's perceiving other people's behaviors. Mm-hmm. Not they're not forcing you to mm-hmm. perceive things a certain way. Um, and I, you know, I could even talk about it. You met our dog real briefly, our pit bull, and she jumped on you, and you didn't. didn't really affirm that behavior. To me, you were putting a boundary up by not trying to get her off, not trying to be frightened and not applauding her for doing it. Mm -hmm. But I've seen other people react in very crazy ways. Like, oh no, it's okay. Like, come here. And I'm like, no, no. We're like wanting her to not jump on people and you're affirming that behavior. And I think the same people that have an issue with creating a boundary around an animal are the same people that have that maybe a bit more of a challenging time creating boundaries around other people's emotional states and like maybe take them on it's so much more easier. or Maybe it's described as empathic, maybe they'll, they'll use the story that they're being empathic. Um, I'm just curious, do you have any, if someone or someone that's listening is like, oh, how does he do that? How does he go into, or how does Daniel and or Ryan go into a space with a hundred different personalities feeling a hundred different things and not necessarily have to take on other people's or other animals' energies? I
1: have discovered through traditional therapy work that I have a tendency to excuse other people and take it on personally because I had a one specific parent that I took on a lot of emotions for and felt responsible for that parent's emotions. So at an early age, I kind of learned that I was responsible for other people's feelings and that I had to do something about that and so through a lot of discovery that of of realizing that I had that tendency you start once you kind of recognize that you start to see where you're doing it and I have done that for many many years like kind of the most obvious example would be with employees so an employee doesn't meet their deadline I am been more apt in my life to say like all right that's okay when is it gonna get done i i now take on that responsibility or i say all right i'll finish this up real fast where in reality it's not okay that they did not make that agreement and so that that's a boundary and so the minute that that gets that gets kind of enmeshed would be the word like you take that on you're now taking on somebody else's you are you have actually taken on the Their freedom. You've now justified their actions, which robs them of the ability to be personally responsible and free. And so, it's something I've had to practice of just having clear boundaries and expectations. But you, you, you literally create your own freedom by keeping those because because everybody is, if they're agreeing to that and being responsible to it, now they're free to act within those confines, and without them. I don't think you have that.
0: Yeah, I think it especially shows up for someone that um, someone that might have really blurry boundaries. It might be the very someone similar that might drift along from billboard to commercial to the Instagram ad to yeah. whatever yeah, yeah. is being fed to them. Just like the dog jumps on them, that's okay. Yeah, this person throws up this fear mongering sign that incentivizes them to do something not to fear, feel full. No, that's okay. They'll do that too. And I think um, I'm imagining just being with you in this short period of time that a lot of your success is is correlated with uh, being creating boundaries for yourself. So
1: this is this goes back to why I had that response to you're in a feminine part of your life, uh, and and it, it's a very masculine idea. But I think the first step to freedom is deciding. It's deciding what you want or what you want to change or what outcome you desire and deciding is a very masculine trait and it, when you set up a boundary you are deciding something you are you are creating the like the, the structure with which to operate and um so part of part of me kind of waiting to make decisions about my career is uh that's that's a more feminine quality of being open the openness the discovery the the relearning who you are that that feminine idea and then it'll show itself and it'll be time to decide but uh but personally i operate more masculine and so there's more of like a a deciding who gets what attention and being aware that not you have a finite amount of attention and bandwidth and uh, you cut off what does not serve the result that you want have have we have we started to offend people yet by uh, by the talk of <laughs> capitalism, religion, masculine, feminine? I feel like we're dancing around it,
0: and we just need to start offending some uh, okay, people. Okay, let's go for it, then. Let's let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I hear you. If whenever someone offends me, I that I always thought that was like the best way. The, the women that I've been most attracted to in my life somehow offend me right from the start, hmm. and also men too. Uh, it's just it was easier for me to like sensationalize that when I remember being single and if a girl would make fun of me or if I got slightly offended, I'm like, whoa, who's this? Like, I got attracted to it. I'm like, give me what's what's next? What's next? And JP, uh, not, although he has very feminine hair, that might have triggered someone. <laughs> uh, he also offends me, and I'm very proud of him for doing it. Um, I think that's been a big part of our evolution together and we did that even that video together how to get offended if anyone hasn't seen that check that out how to get offended by JP we did that together in LA well on that note of offending people why don't we talk about i don't know what your beliefs are like kundalini um or the you, you've referenced so many times the snake shedding its skin in a metaphor and that's how i've been hearing it and and then I also thought about Adam and Eve, the Bible, the snake, and the snakes that may metaphorically live within us. The snakes on a plane. Snakes yeah. on a plane. Classic. <laughs> um, and then you mentioned also like this: the masculine, and feminine, like if the two snakes on a caduceus, the medical symbol. I think symbolizing the masculine and feminine being in balance. It sounds like that's what you're talking about. From from for me is like. My next question is how do you discern when to if you're if someone if there's a snake and all this prey is walking by you're you' right now it sounds like you're sitting in the cave you're kind of hungry, but you're not just taking anything that comes your way you're being with yourself to decide what to consume or create next. I think of a snake sitting like in its den and watching like little mice go by but not eating it because it knows if it strikes that mice it might miss the rabbit that somehow the snake knows it's waiting for. And I'm like, how do you, you said that deciding is a masculine role. The striking, this is what you're going to take action. This is what you go all in on. This is what the snake is going to eat. It's going to spend the next few days digesting and giving all the other prey a free go. How do you decide what to take action on? You know, that's a, that's a very interesting question.
1: And I, I recently recorded a podcast with Dr. Loretta Bruning, who wrote a book called The Habits of a Happy Brain. And she made the case, she made the argument that you know, our, the chemicals in our brain are wired to help us survive. And happiness is a byproduct of increasing our chances of survival. So we often like to talk about the pursuit of happiness, but happiness is actually kind of a byproduct of increasing our resources, increasing our ability to grow and thrive and there is a uh, what the the phrase is um hedonistic uh, i'm gonna get it uh, i can't remember the word there's like a diminishing returns on hedonism like the same things that made us happy one day won't make us happy in the future it's like the first bite of chocolate is amazing by the 5th bar of chocolate it's not that amazing anymore so you pursue the next thing you pursue the next high and the the truth is that our brain is very good at identifying what will be the next thing that helps us that helps us survive or the next greatest good based on the reward chemicals or the pain chemicals that we get when we decide to take an action. So the reason why the snake doesn't pursue the next mouse, for example, is because the mouse just doesn't do it for him anymore. Like, that's okay. It's a level of growth. Now, at some point, if the snake doesn't see a rabbit, it's going to get hungry. Pain chemical kicks in cortisol kicks in and it's going to need to eat a mouse and maybe that's because the mouse is the best opportunity right now and you had to go into that in order to survive and to decrease the painful chemicals it's okay that's where you are right now and at some point given the right opportunity and so much of opportunity is timing and network and all of this right That's why right now, where I am in life is just to stack the deck for the next opportunity. It's relationships. It's going all in on my audience. It's serving the people in my ecosystem. And then a rabbit will come by, and I'll go, oh, yeah, that looks delicious. and, Or maybe it won't. Maybe it won't at all. Maybe there will be no rabbit, and I will eat mice for the rest of my life. And where I'm at is learning how to be okay with that, because I've had certain highs. I've sold, you know, I've built and sold companies. I've done lots of cool. Th- I've lived in, you know, downtown sky rises, and now I live in a three two bungalow, you know. And I'm kind of learning to enjoy the simplicity of life while I prepare for the the rabbit to come by. So my, my answer to your question is your brain's actually very good at being able to identify when to strike and if you are in the mode of being ready to strike. And so my intent right now is, I, I, again, I, I love that I hate the, the feeling of not striking right now, but if you're in the mode of being ready to strike, it becomes really
0: clear. And so my
1: job right now is just being ready.
0: Yeah, I love I love this picture we're painting of not manically taking action, but being inspired enough to know that whatever action you take, you'll be good with it gives like the patience to persevere for something maybe a yes. little longer, a little bit yes. more in the chaos, a little bit more in the disorienting yes. freedom. And do you have any uh i'm curious do you have any like perspectives or advice for someone that may be so used to taking manic action like whenever they see a mouse they just eat it and then they are just like (laughs) stuffed and watching all these opportunities pass by they're not hungry anymore they're just trying to take the first hit of whatever they can get yeah and i need to take my own advice on this
1: um i only know because i've been so bad at it lately um because i there's still some part of me that is resistant to the peace, resistant to the quiet, resistant to the disconnection, and I. There's still part of me that is addicted to that manic saying yes. And the best thing that I do is is staying off my phone, because the the phone is a great place to see a lot of mice, and they're tiny little mice, and and it's like ah, oh, like I'll just I'll just eat some small mice. To keep myself satiated, it, it 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 creates a slothfulness, and the the constant responding of emails and texts and Slack messages—it's like those little tiny mice running by, because you're worried if you don't eat them, the mice will will stop for some reason. And I I where I'm in a mode right now is like I get hit up. 100 times a day from people who just want two minutes of my time and just saying no to all of them. They figure it out or you batch them one hour a week. I will meet with that team member and they can bring all their questions to that. And I will have the capacity and the energy to be able to respond to them and and, and do it well. So it, it is it's a matter of giving things their allocated time and space. And that is that is things like, you know, we tend to fill all the time with this thing in our pocket. Like all the dead space is, is, is we fill it with more yeses, more yeses, and then we kind of self-destruct. And it is more giving that destruction its time. Like the phone is great when we use it as a tool but we use it as a distraction. And so when we give each thing its place and its time, it it fills and carving out the rest of the time for the magic to happen, we might say.
0: Does that make sense when I put it that way? Yeah, what I got from that was like the snake... If have created a den like you you've been a master at creating dens where you're becoming more masterful at creating spaces for you to have the perfect hunting spot or the perfect opportunity rather than like i'm thinking of like a, a less mature snake just like slithering around the forest looking for anything that can get just exhausted constantly hungry constantly yeah, tired yeah, yeah and i think that being able to create a space that's i think that's why that's so embedded in like alchemical, mysterious, spiritual practice is space setting and space yes. creating. And um, that being said, I would love to learn about any kind of habits or rituals you have around creating space other than keeping a safe distance from your phone and making sure that it's a tool rather than a weapon.
1: Yeah. I mean, my my days are, are noticeably different when I am doing active meditation. Um, and meditation to me is just brain training. It's just like recapturing our attention. My favorite meditation tool has been Sam Harris's app, which is called Waking Up. And I, I find a meaningful difference in my life when I practice active gratitude. I find a meaningful difference in my life when I get eight hours of sleep. I, I notice a meaningful difference in my life when I get out of the house. So when I put all of this into a blender my 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 ideal kind of ritual is wake up, meditate, get the heck out of the house. Because I know I'm more likely to fall into destructive habits if I don't do those things. And that could be as simple as wake up, meditate, go to the gym. Wake up, meditate, go to a coffee shop and read or work. And I find that that gives me the ability to be more intentional because I am more reactive at home. Um, and I think, I think that's some childhood stuff too. I'm, I'm more reactive. I have, I, I give myself less control when I am at my home. And for some people it's the opposite. Like they, they go out into the world and they feel chaotic. I feel chaotic at home. And so I need to, I have to structure my life and my day around that. That's, that's not true for everyone, but for me, the kind of default response of wake up, check the phone. My whole day is ruined because now I'm going to be responding from things. I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to be in my head. I'm an extrovert. So I crave the, the, the connection with other people that makes me feel like I have more space and more control. It energizes me. And so if I don't have those things, I, I, I get to a dark, nasty place.
0: Yeah. Well, just like maybe it's very important for Lee to so maybe it's best for him to check his phone and stay at his house and not meditate, and that might be what serves him the most. Just judging on y'all's different paths, it's offered you freedom. Yeah. So, so
1: a comment on that. I think there are different modes of life. When when you are in, you're either in in yes mode, no mode, or later mode, and we sometimes confuse the two. That when when you are hungry to change, you're in yes mode. You are in, you say yes to every opportunity, yes to every person that comes your way. Like, and it is it is cool and fun to say yes. And there is a time to be in yes mode. And there's a time to be in no mode. Like yes is like the beginning of the cycle. And then no is like at the full maturation of the cycle. You're saying you no know, to all distractions. And then there's like later mode, which is when you're kind of restarting the, you're you're restarting the the cycle. And so I'm doing a lot of no and a lot of later right now, which is just preparing to say yes.
0: He's in his den waiting for that jackrabbit. <laughs> I'm excited to see what I'm excited to see what you strike at next. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Um and I also would recommend the podcast with JP and Ryan, uh, because you talk about Bernie, man, and what a sensational experience you had there i'm imagining that was a pretty powerful container i'm curious have you ever been to another container that you didn't have a part of creating like where are some of the most powerful mm. containers that you've experienced that you that were invited question to man. i'm imagining the capitalism.com container is going to be pretty epic um but now i'm just thinking about from you that without your control have you been like whoa these guys these people is, have it right that is like a shit.
1: great <laughs> question And for context, uh, the, the, the conversation I had with JP about Burning Man was really about me doing some very deep personal work, realizing that I had to run my entire life based on a fear of not being good enough and not being loved. And I had never realized that about myself. And I discovered that being completely disconnected from the rest of society, which was a you know, a nice container to be in, which was Burning Man. And uh, I think it's just so cliche to tell Burning Man stories. Uh, but for me, that's where I go to do a lot of deep work. And it gives me the ability to do that. You know, and it's it's funny you ask that question about other containers because college was a great container for me to discover what I felt about my faith. And and there there's people who ask... I went to school where there was there was, you know, no girls allowed in guys' dorms. You know, you had hours that you had to be checked in into your dorm and and we we had, we had this joke, that we'd say there was no sex allowed on campus because it might lead to dancing, both of which were not permitted. And people uh, we were like, "Wasn't that awful?" And I loved it. Like, "No, I loved being in that container. It gave me the great context to explore because I didn't have a whole lot of other distractions. I loved being in the bubble. So I, you bring up a really great question of like your setting and your, your, the container that you choose is more conducive to certain results. It's, it's kind of like you're more, I'm more creative when I travel because it, it, it fires new neurons in my brain and it gets me thinking about things that I wouldn't normally think about. And when I book a all inclusive resort and everything is taken care of for me, I have I am it's like all of my stressful responses are relaxed. And so now I can create and grow and think about things that I wouldn't normally think about when I'm responding to well, what am I gonna eat today? And what am I gonna do with the and 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 so I don't have places that I go to regularly for like this result, but what you're helping me see is that like the the container that we choose gives us the freedom to pursue different things. That's why I, I um I think it is only inevitable that we go from more of a nation state perspective to more of a micro tribe. Perspective. I think it is only a matter of time that we as human beings start to intentionally create the tribes physically, the containers that we want at certain times. I, I'm, I'm really compelled by the idea of, of intentional community, which is often w- weird for people to hear that the, the, the guy who runs Capitalism.com, I have, I have very socialistic tendencies when it comes to what I desire out of my private life. So Now, socialism is, the, is like the, the fast route to us all killing each other when it is forced upon us. But we are wired to be part of the tribe, to be part of the community. And I think it's only a matter of time that we realize that that's what we want and we structuralize that for ourselves. Because the minute government does it, it's, it's an absolute tish show. I mean we we just we are so good at stealing from one another and taking advantage of one another and killing one another when that's forced upon us. I and and capitalism is the freedom, the system through which we are free to pursue what is best for us. And I think it's a, it it is it is coming that we will create our own kind of structures around how we take care of one another independent of government. And I think you will start to see like the – a community that is vegan and serves one another and that works for them. And then you have the – like I really want to have – I just got goosebumps thinking about it. I really want to have a more entrepreneurial, creative community that I'm a part of where all things are taken care of for us from like a, 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 a systems perspective so that we can be free and creative. I think we'll discover that create crafting those containers, and we can bounce around from different ones depending on what mode of life we're in. Is kind of the the next stage of what we'll see as a society.
0: Yeah, so I, I took that all as an affirmation. Like that's that's what I believe we're doing with tribe design.
1: Cool. You want to build an
0: intentional community? Yeah. All right. I'm, cool. i I've, so I've been at land out in 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 West Texas. Okay. So I'll tell you that this is what I've have so many people in my life that have land and produce these Mm. places for intentional communities and they don't seem to work that well. And I think it's because not, not to undermine, I think me and you, both of our powers and, or archetypes like me and you can do it. Um, but a lot of times people build the places without building the people. And they all know how to function. They all know how to thrive together. And so, what I've been working on for a long time now, especially the last four years with tribe design, is building the people. And the places are coming. And um, mm. there's tribes of people that want to mm. live together. They want, and they do have different interests. Some are very maybe into psychedelics. Some are very into like movement and art. Some are very into entrepreneurship and and creation. And uh, that's how I envision like being able to, especially for Davina a nice remembering in the future is for us to go not only on like we can travel and go on a vacation with random people, but we have like a tribe of people that's a very unique product, procured experience for Thailand or Texas or California mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Oregon. Yeah. And that it's like an upgraded family vacation uh, going from tribe to tribe. And I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense from being in a place of dependence um, then a lot of people going into independence, and now I think humanity, humanity is ready for more of that interdependence where we can really match our – like my genius doesn't take away from your genius. And so we can I, actually put those together and create something that would never happen otherwise. I'm sorry for interrupting, but I would argue that
1: that is capitalism as its core. I mean like the, the greatest way you create peace in this world is you create trade between human beings. I mean, we don't fight with people we trade with. And and that's that's more on like a nation-to-nation perspective. It's why like I, I think uh, you open up markets, you create peace. and in the same way, people don't fight with one another when they're interdependent. like they they, they might negotiate but it's, I don't you know you don't get violent with the person that you are interdependent with. You get violent with the person that is that threatens who you are interdependent with. So the more interdependence, the more capitalism we have, the more the ability you have to be able to create and match that with someone else's creation, the more interwoven you become, the more peace and harmony there is. It's almost like a – I think um, notoriously people on the left see capitalism as a divisive thing. There's, it, it's us all fighting for the same resources. That completely misses the point capitalism is actually us interchanging and connecting our our creation of value to one another and that unifies us it doesn't divide us freedom and capitalism is a unifying idea not the opposite
0: yeah uh i hear you i hear you and Boom. i think there's a lot to learn about you know a lot of people love the idea of connecting with ancestors and thinking that they had some kind of connection that maybe we're lacking in the current setup. And I do see that. I'm like, yeah, let's get back in tribes kind of how you're saying. But now we have, as you brought up in the beginning of the call or the interaction here, we have such amazing technology. Like I don't have to I don't have to design a tribe of people that only live within walking distance of my house here in Austin where I'm staying. I can actually click a button, I could click a few buttons, Somehow get magnetized to the people that resonate with the most with a certain idea and then right. go in the best place in the world to design a tribe with them. right, right. It's amazing. It's amazing times we're in.
1: yeah, it used to be who you were blood related to. and then it was who you were blood related to and who you meshed with like that total tribe. And, and now it can
0: be anyone in the world. Now it can be it's just based on ideas. And there's like these memes, ideas that maybe enlightenment is getting along with our family because that seems to be extremely challenging (laughs) for a lot of people. And also the silver lining, I think, in the tension and polarity and chemistry of families that don't always mesh is that it catalyzes people maybe realizing that we are one big family, as cliche as that sounds, um, one big tribe, one song, universe, here we are, and to not team up with each other especially with the technology we have today seems seems like someone that's gotten uh, lazy from eating too many mice. (laughs) So I I, I appreciate your ability to stay hungry and uh, being ready to strike when you get the, when you get that next heart, that heart on and uh, maybe our heart ons will will synergize one day. Maybe that's a tribe design or capitalism conference. Um, I would love to see you at one of our events. So, Maybe we can uh, do some exchanging of value and show up for each other and see what happens from that. I am I I will expect an invite. Awesome. And and you're invited. January 3rd is the next one if that works for you. Cool. Big I, have, I Hawaii. Question. I feel like you're wrapping up, but I want to ask you a question. Yes, please. What please. do you think happens when you die? <laughs> I've asked this question to several people before. Um, so... Uh, very similar to like a leaf on a tree. That I, that as me being the metaphor of a leaf currently in this human suit known as Daniel, that once this body is done its purpose here on earth, and I and I, I do believe there's an infinite energy within me and around me that I'm always a part of, but I'm getting a very fractalized like version of reality until. I transition or until my body dies, and then I think my body becomes part of everything, and I become part of everything, or at least the part that whatever is creating everything. I think I unify with that energy that has created everything. And uh, I believe that depending on what all of my life leads up to to that point, that might be what I see or visualize or hear so I've, I've heard a lot about near-death experiences where people meet some people meet Jesus and some people meet Muhammad and some people meet an alien. And I think that it's kind of like the dream world, um, that I'm very more prone to dream about what I'm looking at while I'm awake. Yeah. And I'm much more prone to seeing what, I'm, what, I'm see, what I see when I'm awake is based on what I dream. So, yeah, I think it's somewhere in that dream realm, that birth, death, the dream, plant medicine, (laughs) hunting, all these kind of these veil experiences. I feel like it'll be very like that. I'll experience some sort of like (gasps) into the veil and then like kind of ease into it and then make my next choice. Your next choice. As As like infinite intelligence, as completely unified with the creator. Rather than this version of the creator mm. in this human suit, mm. the creative constraint of my human suit. May I comment? Please, please, yeah.
1: So I, I, I mentioned at the top of the hour that when one of the difficulties in making a documentary about faith is like I feel like I'm evolving faster than we can document, and I. I would say uh, when I deconverted from Christianity, I went more like hardcore atheism, like there is nothing. And in reality, I almost see that as the um, my my adoption of atheism was more me creating the room for the next strike, like the next pursuit of truth. And I am I am more leaning towards what you just outlined or I am in my involvement, like I, I would almost call it a spiritual awakening and I'm starting to awaken more to that being a real possibility that they're there. And, and the way that I've arrived at this is from purely scientific point of view, physics would suggest that, you know, the universe is expanding and that, It expands and that it ultimately will contract and it started off at what they would call infinite infinite contraction meaning the universe was at a point of infinite density before the big bang the hell does that mean infinite density means that all that exists, even our concept of time and space, was contained in a point of infinite density. I have no idea what that means. But what I but what I can theorize out of that is that everything that makes me up, everything that is what I am, was contained inside of this point of infinite density. And so if nothing else, the same thing that makes up my consciousness returns back to whatever made up infinite knowledge or consciousness. So even if I die and nothing happens to my consciousness, at the point of ultimate contraction where the universe goes back to, if it contracts ever again, to infinite density, my consciousness is now returned back to its original state. So if no, if nothing else then my consciousness and awareness is connected to all that is. You know if 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 I, if nothing happens when you die then at the very least we're all connected to some whatever makes us us. And so that's kind of that intellectual realization has kind of opened up a portal for me of now re-exploring. Well, okay. Well, if that's true then could my consciousness exist on a different plane you know could could my consciousness exist outside of what i see inside of matter well i guess theoretically so and then and then i have been exploring that more and more lately so i was very dogmatic in my christianity in my upbringing and then i went very kind of dogmatic in my atheism and now I'm more in the rediscovery. Like, I almost feel like I have, I, I graduated, I completed my spiritual quest inside of Christianity. Like, I, I, I completed how Christianity served me. And I kind of graduated onto atheism. And, I, and I'm actually in the last six to 12 months feel like I am now, I am now completing my, the part of my journey that was atheism. And I'm now starting the new journey of being more open to the the parts that I thought was crazy as an as an atheist. And now there's like more of a huh, I think uh I think there's more here. Or at least I'm open to the the chance that there's more here.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's that's a lot to ponder and not much to ponder. It's it's To me, it's very paradoxical. I think that it's built into our daily lives. And like I mentioned, the night and sleep, every human's been birthed and death. It seems to be we're part of some sort of cycle or upward spiral. And whether someone finds that connection through converting to Christianity or mm-hmm. someone deconverting from Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm the one to say that's right or wrong, because Christianity was basically built on, what I understand, one of the most blasphemous non-religious person that was already <laughs> <laughs> kind of questioning everything. Uh, and so I'm aiming to be and embody Jesus more than the Pharisees. And I think that's what yeah. I'm hearing from you as well. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for uh, making this this hunch that there's a brother from another mother named <laughs> with my middle, but my name is his middle name in Austin, Texas. And he's manifesting me here and here we are. And now we're at the <laughs> conclusion of this one, getting ready for the next interaction. I guess we'll go say hi to JP. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, man. I'm yeah. Really excited about what you're up to. For sure. I think there's going to be, I think this is going to be a birthplace for many, lots of seeds planted here. So watch out for the sprouts and come harvest with us. And, uh, Check out Ryan at Capitalism.org with that, or .com. Capitalism.com. Dot com, com, dot com. Uh, is that the best place for people to probably yeah, find it? Yeah, I run, I run a podcast on Capitalism.com.
1: They can find that searching for my name or or Capitalism.com. And then I document my journey on my YouTube channel. My kind of, my shtick is, or I'm better than anyone else in the world, is helping people craft their seven-figure business that gets them free of kind of the first layer Right, the first like, that uh, I think money is kind of the first thing we shore up on the path to freedom, and that's where I'm better than anyone in the world. And I do a bunch of trainings on on that kind of stuff at
0: capitalism and on the podcast and on my YouTube channel. Awesome! I'm excited to learn more about that, and uh, to be continued. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Yeah. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Okay, I'm going to make this outro ubiquitous for the first 12 episodes. And it's basically me taking my own advice, walking my talk, and asking for what I want without being attached to getting it. And that's a a review on this podcast. A review on the Breaking Normal book, whether it's on Amazon or Audible. For y'all to start Breaking Normal, let me know what it does for you. This is a big expression of my heart and soul and it's another iteration of self-acceptance through self-expression and i do believe that what's most personal is most universal it's a great guiding light for how to communicate with one another so if this added value to your life and even if you think it didn't let me know through a review and uh, don't forget about the We're going to be giving away a free tribe design to someone that leaves a review on the podcast. So go to BreakingNormal.com and check out the podcast section and uh, be eligible to win. To take action at least putting yourself in a position to win. This prize, and maybe this will be a big symbolic step, like one small step here may take a giant leap for the rest of your life to put yourself in the opportunity to win. Which also puts yourself in the opportunity not to win, which is... Both are a win, in my opinion. So let's tap into that vibration of winfinity and join us on that journey. And keep breaking normal. And stay in touch. And be sure to ask for what you want without being attached to getting it to the people that would matter the most. And if that's to me, reach out to me. Let's do it. I'm excited to hear about it. Much love to you all. I look forward to exploring this infinite, evolving adventure out loud authentically synergistically alchemically and in respect to the divine job bless